Chapter Eight of the Apostle of Alaska: The Story of William Duncan of Metlakatla by John W. Arctander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. The Tsimsheans. North of Vancouver Island, the Coast Indians of British Columbia were, in 1857, the Kwakutl, the Begula, the Tsimsheans, and the Haidas. North of Dixon Entrance, in Russian Alaska, were the Tlingits and some tribes of Haida descendants. The Indians of the interior were called the Stikin, or Tinnes, up around the Yukon were the Athabascans. All the coast Indians are far in advance of the plain Indians of the United States and Canada. They have not the roving disposition nor the nomadic habits of these Indians. They are, as a rule, industrious, frugal, imitative, and self-supporting, and have never been objects of governmental charity. Of all these Indian peoples, the Tsimshian nation ranks the highest, with the Haidas a close second. While these different nations have many peculiarities in common, especially the totem institution, which hereafter will be fully described, their language and even their makeup and characteristics are so different that it is evident that they do not spring from the same source, and perhaps do not even originally hail from the same country. Where the Tsimsheans originally came from, it is impossible to ascertain some have thought they could find points of contact between them and the new zealanders others have believed that they could discover among them traces of the peculiarities of the ancient aztecs of mexico those who associate them even in the distant past with the japanese or the koreans certainly do not find any very good arguments for their contention they perhaps drifted northward long ago from some tropical island in the pacific i have been told that a legend the details of which now seem to be forgotten speaks of a beautiful island in the sea which one day suddenly sank under the waves in other words another atlantis in the pacific ocean one of their many different legends about the flood also particularly accentuates that before they were dispersed and driven away by the great flood they lived in a beautiful country with lovely sunshine fine large trees and gorgeous flowers the following legend related by adolphus calvert of metlakatla may point to a warmer climate where the sun seemed nearer or to a knowledge of the story of the tower of babel or both i give it in this connection for what it is worth in ages long ago the heavens were much nearer the earth than now the people were afraid to disturb the great chief so they only talked in whispers a tsimshian chief had a son who was a great thinker he thought very much over all the troubles from which his people suffered, and he wanted to help them in those troubles. One night he stayed out in the woods all night, and saw away up into the heavens. Then he knew much more than he ever did before. Next day he commenced to make arrows, and kept on at this till he had over a thousand arrows. Then one clear day he shot an arrow into the heavens with such force that it moved them a little higher. Then he shot another, hit the first one right on the head, and pushed the heavens still further away. Then they were so far away that he could not shoot so far. He then called upon the people, and they carried rocks to a small island, high above the sea. There they piled the rocks upon the highest peak. So he went up on top of the rocks, and shot some more arrows, until the heavens were moved clear out of sight. 
then the people were glad because now they could make all the noise they wanted to without disturbing the great chief and making him angry wherever the chimpsians may have come from originally we certainly find that they must already have lived on the coast south of the skeena when captain cook visited these regions in seventeen seventy eight or perhaps even earlier than that at the visit of captain baring in seventeen forty one or during the cruise of the spanish warships in seventeen seventy four as one of the traditionary legends of the tsimsheans related to mr duncan by the kilt rotlus gives the following account of the first visit of the whites to the coast which plainly refers to one of the warships of one of the several expeditions here mentioned one day when my grandfather was a small boy four people from our village went out fishing for halibut there was a great fog and nothing could be seen when their lines were all down they suddenly heard a strange noise coming from the sea but the fog was so thick they could not discover anything they thought it was some great sea monster coming in from the sea up to the shore where the village was so they pulled up their lines and paddled to the shore to tell their people to look out for the sea monster when they came near the shore the fog lifted and then they saw a big round monster swimming in the sea trees were growing out of its back and heads of men were hung on the branches of the trees then a baby monster came out of the belly of the big sea monster and there were the heads of many white ghosts sticking up from the back of it and they had long sticks and they pushed the water back with them so the baby monster flew towards the shore when it came to the beach the white ghosts lifted up the sticks and the tears of the salt water crawled down the sticks and fell in the water with a great drip drip then the white ghosts went on shore when the indians saw them they were afraid but the white ghosts pointed to their halibut and the indians gave them one and they cut it up and threw the pieces in a round black box they then wanted fire and an indian brought two sticks to make a fire with and commenced to rub them together but the white ghosts laughed and one of them took a little dry grass and something from his pocket and made a big noise and a flash and fire came right away in the wood when the indians saw that they all died then they put the black box right on to the fire and it did not burn up but the halibut was cooked then the indians died again after that the white ghosts emptied a sack of maggots in the kettle after a while they take the maggots out and put them in a dish and then they pour over the maggots the grease of dead people then they want the indians to eat the maggots and the grease but the indians run away behind the rocks then the white ghosts eat the maggots and the grease themselves when they sit and eat a goose flies over their heads then a white ghost takes a long stick and points it at the goose then there is a big noise and a small smoke and the goose falls down and is dead when the indians see that they die again but the chief and his slaves now come down to the beach and the chief was painted black and red and he stood up right before the white ghosts and he looks wild at them and the blood of many men makes his eyes very red and when the white ghosts see his red eyes then the white ghosts die and when the chief dances and sings the war song and sings very hard and high then the white ghosts die again the native who told mr duncan this story desired to impress on him the contrast between the first visit of the whites to their home and the visit of mr duncan at which later event he said that none of the indians died
many stories could be told from the traditions of the tsimsians of their cruel wars with the indians of the interior wherein their chief trakats thunder seems to have proven especially valiant and successful and of their battle with the alaska indians who were finally driven back across dixon entrance never to show themselves again except for the peaceful purposes of trade also of their warfare with the nass indians which seems to have terminated in eighteen twenty nine by a drawn wager of battle between two chosen representatives of the contending tribes in which duel the tsimsians were victorious and by which the feud between them was settled but we must hasten on to more interesting topics end of chapter eight